Listener Production. Good evening, Sydney. Sydney! Two sold out shows! And then we're coming back in May. Yeah, we're coming back if you want it again. It'll be a different show all over again. Well, same dance, different stories. Yeah. So it's a little different from the podcast um, that you hear week to week, weekly ish, weekly ish to weekly ish. Um, because we know everybody has a favourite host and we didn't want you to, like, pay for tickets and then turn up and be like, oh, it's Rosie's week. <laughs> like, so we're going to tell you each a little a story each. Mm-hmm. But it's yes. about, like, a, a little shorter yeah. because we don't have time. Yeah. yeah. It's a gist of a gist. It's a gist of a gist mm-hmm. of a gist. But you get a little taste of each of us mm-hmm. because we read the reviews and we know you complain about me interrupting too much and... <laughs> Sometimes Jacob sounds like he's falling asleep. Like, we get it. Uh, so you're getting one of each. One yeah. of the one you hate and one of the one you love. <laughs> Everyone's um, a winner. Yay. But first, shall we do some... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's coming for your job. All right. Okay, listen. You've listened to the live shows, so you know that I ask this. Who in the room... Oh, you're pointing to your boyfriend already, no? (laughs) Who in the room is willing to admit to my face (laughs) that you don't like the breaking news song? Ah, who is this? It's always a man. Is it the vocal fry? Is it the nasal tone? Oh, (laughs) not all men, but this one. (laughs) Okay. It's not going to end well for you, Patrick. (laughs) So, everyone, I know you love to sing along and Patrick loves to hear it. So what we're going to do is direct all our energy, all our disgusting nasal breaking news voices to Patrick over here. Ready. Good job, Sydney. I don't understand my own power. (laughs) Okay, here's one. Netflix Mm. is trialling a new feature in a couple other countries. It's not here yet, but it's coming. Mm. Where they are going to charge you for people using your password outside of your house. (laughs) In other news, all my sisters and mother will soon not have Netflix. (laughs) Because no one pays for anything in my family but me. <laughs> How do they? That, yeah. And they're it's not too charging, late in the game for that. They're not charging as much. So it's not like, oh, you have to pay for your whole own subscription, but we know you're using the password, so we're charging you like, you know, $2 a person for sharing your password. Mm. Get effed. Yeah. 
Well, how's the trial been going so far? Have they started it? Well, I don't know. They just sit it in the news today. This is, why do you ask me questions? It's just the gist. You know I read a headline on the Daily Mail and I don't know anything else about it. <laughs> why do you do this? No, yeah, it just started in the last couple of days. They released a press release like today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so hopefully we'll see the trials how it goes. fail and they don't roll it out. But also, like, I feel like I'm a almost a bit of a tech whiz because I know how to use a VPN. Mm. Isn't that just what you do? Yeah, that would work. I have a VPN exclusively so I can watch Hulu and, um, like, American reality shows. Mm -hmm. And I survived, which you can only get on um, Hulu. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. What's that about? Oh, it's a show where people just talk directly into the camera about things they survived. (laughs) And for men, it's always like, I was really dumb and I drove my car 10 hours without any fuel and then I was stranded. And for women, it's always like, a man tried to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great show. But you can't get it anywhere in Australia, so I need a VPN to watch it. Oh, wait, I'm sitting on a stage in front of people. Legally. (laughs) Okay, next. (laughs) Neighbours is coming to an end. I know. Mm. And they thought maybe they could save it, but they can't because some rich studio in England was paying for it and because of COVID they're poor and now they can't afford it and we can't afford it. So anyway, Mm. it's it's all ending. Toadfish is Devo. And... um, (laughs) I've heard rumours, there are rumours that they are going to end the very last episode of Neighbours by Ramsey Street blowing up. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say Kylie was going to come back, but no, this is better, no, this is better. No, Charlene and what's-his-name come back and it explodes. <laughs> no, but I've heard it's going to blow up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, That's hey. the only way I want it to go now. It's just like um, that show about Melissa Cuddick in the ads having her biting down on a leather strap. I'm like, you hinted at it, now I need to see her cutting off Mm. her own foot. Mm. If they've hinted at it blowing up, I need to see it blow up. Or anything from there that's maybe even bigger, like asteroid landing. Yes. Yes. Volcano. Charlene is the one who blows it up. Oh. Hey. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a TV writer. Now you're talking. (laughs) I got the goods. Oh, you'll love this one. There is a scientific firm in the US at the moment who have been trying to use ancient genetic material to recreate the woolly mammoth. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, like how in Jurassic Park, they take the little mosquito and they get Mm -hmm. the bits out of it and they're like, that's DNA. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. like that. Um, But they're going to mix the DNA with modern elephants to try and like Frankenstein and woolly mammoth, right? Um, Apparently, and this is like the JTG version, so don't tweet me about it, please. Um, They're willing to spend so much money on it and invest in doing this seemingly ridiculous, like, thing that we don't really need because we do need it because apparently if there are herds of, like, thousands of them, they will, like, stomp on the ground in a way that Mm. will help climate change. You know this? Yes, 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 yeah. Okay. I don't really understand, but that's the gist of it. Now, they have been looking for funding and they've raised, like, $60 million... And here's the breaking news. One of the major donors, Mm -hmm. Paris Hilton. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Has she made a statement about it? No? No. Just, you know, people contain multitudes. Wow. That's where she's directing her altruism. Good Good for her. her. She makes gazillions of dollars off, like, perfumes and DJing. And look at what she's investing in. 
And now we can hold her responsible if it's a total disaster, a la right? Jurassic Park. Exactly. Because should we be messing with nature like that? We I don't know. know. You spent so much time thinking about if you could, you didn't think if you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We've learned nothing. So, our final bit of breaking news. Uh, if those of you, uh, some of you might have listened to the podcast today, it went up late because I forgot to send through, send through the description to our producer. Lindsay, Lindsay's who's in the here. Room? Our producer Lindsay's in here. Yes, Lindsay. She's amazing. Um, sorry, I forgot to send you what you needed until 3.30 in the afternoon. My bad. Um, but so I probably most of you had enough time to listen to today's episode, but we talked about the fact that Jacob and I are going skydiving tomorrow. <laughs> So we've got our show in Wollongong, the Wollongong Spiegel tent coming up like a week. Are you from coming? Now. Oh, yay! yay! Coming up like a week from now, and um, to promote it, the Wollongong Skydiving Australia, based down in Wollongong, are like, do you want to go skydiving to like promote your show? And Jacob and I, literally in unison, he said, absolutely not. Well, I said, absolutely. <laughs> so. We are going out skydiving tomorrow. Tandem, you just get hooked up to a dude yeah. and you jump. Um, and hope the dude doesn't pass out before exactly. he opens the parachute. So I thought, because Jacob's petrified, that for breaking news, um, I'd give you just a little bit of a story about a dude who um, in 20, 2006 jumped out of a plane to skydive and his parachutes didn't open. But... <laughs> Here's the bright side, he survived. Okay, it's December 2006. This guy called Michael Holmes was a, like, professional skydiver, Mm -hmm. jumper person. He's Mm -hmm. in New Zealand. It's a routine day. He'd done, like, 7,000 jumps in his life. He'd already done three that day. Um, This day, he jumps out. His main parachute fails, Mm -hmm. right? Now, he survives... And then he did an interview with Vice about, like, how are you living Mm. was the gist of the interview. (laughs) So Vice said to him, hey, Michael, let's start with the day itself. Can you run me through what happened? And he said it was probably the third jump of the day. I checked my equipment, blah, blah, blah. This is just the gist. We jumped from about 15,000 feet. So this is good because we're only going from, like, much less than that, aren't we? Are we? Didn't even pay attention. I just said no and then ended up somehow agreeing to it. We're going that high. We're going high enough that there's time for the chute to get pulled. So, anyway, he's like, I pulled my main chute and it didn't pull. And his training kicks in. It's like, you're meant to, because you've got a spare one. So, he's like, okay, that one didn't go. I'll wait to pull my spare one. But you need to get rid of the first one to pull your second one or else it gets tangled. Mm -hmm. And he went to, like, detach the first one. Wouldn't come off. So, then he's like, shit. So, then he says he tried to reach around with his knife to like cut it but the wind is like and like he couldn't get Mm. his hand right so then he was like I didn't know what to do I knew there was no point to pull the reserve because it would just get tangled in the first one so Mm. I was kind of just falling thinking like I'm fucked um then he's at about um 700 feet above the ground so not very far and he's like, well, I've thought of anything I can. I'm just going to pull the reserve and hope for the best. Pulls the reserve, nothing happens, doesn't come out. I know. <laughs> so he says at this point, I thought to myself, well, you've done everything you can and this is how you'll die. Mm-hmm. 
It wasn't really a panic, just coming to terms with the situation. And Vice asks him, what did you think about at the moment? And he said, yeah, I thought about saying a message to something or someone, but then I realised I was taking too long. (laughs) And he had been filming another jumper with a camera, so he said, so then I just waved in front of the camera and said, all right, bye. (gasps) And then I hit the ground. Now... He was tidying that up because let me tell you something amazing. You can Google this and watch this no, footage. No, no. His other jumper, when she saw that he was falling, started filming. Plus, he had, you have footage from his own camera. And he literally does. He's close to the ground. He waves in front of the camera. And then he says, well, shit, I'm dead. Bye. <laughs> and then he smashes into the ground. And it's all on. The footage is like on YouTube. YouTube's amazing. Okay. I won't be watching that tonight. Vice then says, do you remember anything about hitting the ground? And he says, nothing whatsoever. Mm. The only feeling I had was an emotional feeling, which was like, oh, I'm dead. Then I was knocked unconscious. It was only until my friend came over that I realised I wasn't dead, but because of the concussion, I was in a state of confusion. I was thinking, what happened? I was more concerned that with my level of experience, I'd made a mistake. And Vice said, so you almost woke up feeling embarrassed? And he was Ah. like, yeah, I was kind of embarrassed. (laughs) So he survived because he landed in a really thick blackberry bush. (laughs) Um, He says it was less than a metre high. It wasn't super dense, but it was better than hitting the hard floor or the lake that was nearby because if he'd hit the floor, he would have just died and if Mm. he'd hit the lake, he would have drowned. And he says he hit the ground with his left ankle. This is where you need to listen up for tips. Mm -hmm. He hit the ground with his left ankle and shattered his foot pretty much off the leg. Um, Then his left left shoulder and head hit the ground and one of the things that contributed to him not dying was he says, like, you know when you see people doing, like, parkour or stunt jumping, when they do it, when they land on the ground, they kind of roll, like mm. they land into a roll. Yeah. So he said because at the end he'd just kind of given up and gone, oh, shit, I'm dead, bye, his body kind of went limp and then he kind of landed in a roll <laughs> on the blackberry bush And um, the vice, like Guy says, and I love this interview because this is what I would have asked, he says, so for the sake of this article, you seem to be suggesting to readers that floppily landing Uh (laughs) in a bush is ideal. And he says, yes, a big, dense bush. He says, if the reader was to take something away... (laughs) Get your heads... Out of the gutter. A big dense bush would make me go floppy. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> it would, I've seen it happen. <laughs> he says. If the reader was to take something away, then try to think about not tensing up. And just go with it. Uh-huh. And if you see a big tans bush, then <laughs> go, go floppy. floppy. Right. So, yeah, that's some advice for tomorrow. And I guess also words to live by, it would seem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all take that away with us tonight. <laughs> and that was... Okay.
Okay. Do it, do. My turn to go first. I haven't even drunk a sip of this. Yeah, cheers. I want a classy plastic glass. Thanks, Factory Theatre. <laughs> okay. I'm going first. Let me get my notes up here. Here we go. Here we go. I have no idea what this is going to be. Yeah, actually, I haven't told Jake, because I told Jacob I was going to do my whole story about someone dying skydiving, but then I kind of bait and switched him. I'm still sweating. Why did you do that? (laughs) Another person does it. You just have to jump out and go floppy. (laughs) Okay. There is a movie that exists that is so bad that Whoopi Goldberg, the star of this movie had to be forced to finish it by court order against her will. <laughs> Tonight I am telling you about the most expensive film ever to go straight to VHS. Oh. This is just the gist of Theodore Rex. Ah, yeah, there's like three people who have yeah. seen it. Okay, it's 1992. Whoopi Goldberg had just wrapped filming one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces of our time, the sequel to Sister Act, Sister Act 2. She'd also starred in some other critically acclaimed yet not as memorable as Sister Act 2, like, you know, The Colour Purple. (laughs) (laughs) Ghost. (laughs) She'd been nominated for her role in The Colour Purple and had won an Oscar for her role in Ghost. Mm. Um, She was also no doubt expecting to be nominated for her second brilliant turn as Sister Mary Clarence. (laughs) Wasn't, in the end, robbed. (laughs) But the point is, this is pretty much the pinnacle of Whoopi Goldberg's acting career. In 1992, she's one of the most powerful actresses Mm. going. And at this time, she takes a meeting, which is like Hollywood speak for goes to a meeting. (laughs) Um, And it's about this new project called T-Rex, and it's a gritty sci-fi drama about a world in which humans and dinosaurs coexist. And Whoopi isn't, like, super sure about it, but then they're like, we'll give you $5 million, and she's like, I'm sure about it, I'll do it. (laughs) Um, And they're also going to give her a cut of the profits. So she's like, yeah, cool. And it's not a crazy decision because everybody knew at the time that Steven Spielberg was putting together this, like, little movie called Jurassic Park and there were whispers that it was maybe going to be big. Mm. So dinosaurs were kind of in vogue, like when vampires were in vogue. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a thing and the thing at the time was dinosaurs. So it was not a terrible decision on Whoopi's part to agree to this thing. Mm -hmm. So Whoopi agreeing to do this T-Rex film is what helped the producers secure a lot of funding to get the film made, like, from investors. Like, she was a huge star. So as soon as they could start telling people, like, Whoopi Goldberg has agreed she's attached, Mm. investors were like, take all my money, take all my money. So they started hiring all the crew. They started putting together all the finishing touches on the script. They're getting everything ready to go into production. Like, all this takes a few years because stuff in Hollywood just, like, takes a while. Things take time to happen. I mean, the show that I'm working on that's going into pre-production at the end of this year, we've been, like floating around since 2018. Mm. So things are just slow in Hollywood land. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the producers assume things are going fine and they're all set to start filming very soon when all of a sudden Whoopi stops returning their phone calls and her agents are avoiding taking any meetings with them as well and then the producers get word from Whoopi's people she's pulling out of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And this might have something to do with her seeing what the screenplay had turned into since she signed on. (laughs) Because what was originally a gritty sci-fi drama has now turned into something very, very different. Oh. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers, love. (laughs) 
It was now a buddy cop film (laughs) with a synopsis as follows. In an alternate futuristic society (laughs) where humans and anthropomorphic dinosaurs coexist, (laughs) a tough police detective named Katie Coltrane, that's whoopee, is paired with an anthropomorphic tyrannosaurus named Theodore Rex. (laughs) Teddy for short. (laughs) To find the killer of dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals leading them to a ruthless billionaire villain bent on killing off mankind by creating a new ice age. (laughs) The working tagline for the movie was... The world's toughest cop is getting a new partner. He's a real blast from the past. (laughs) And don't even think about calling him Barney. (laughs) (laughs) And thinking it would, like, really bring things to life and impress Whoopi, they had mocked up posters of her standing back to back (laughs) with a T-Rex policeman in a backwards cap and jeans and the T-Rex is the same height as her. (laughs) Maybe I should have warned you in advance. (laughs) So... At this point, Whoopi is like, yeah, this ain't worth five million. Like, keep the money. I'm out. (laughs) And this left the producers of the movie in a really shit position because they had raised all this money based on the promise that Whoopi Goldberg was going to be the star. And, like, surprise, surprise, they couldn't really sell the premise on its own without (laughs) Whoopi. So if she pulls out... They're totally fucked. Like, all the money they've sunk into it, all the work they've already done, including creating the Theodore Rex dinosaur, they've already made it. They're so excited. That will be used in the movie. It's all for nothing. They'll go bankrupt and all they'll have is this B-grade dinosaur costume. Because here's the thing. I should point out here that... This film has now been in production for, like, or more than six years, and it's been so long that the technology they planned on using is kind of outdated. Mm. Like, do you guys remember that show Dinosaurs, the TV show? That's kind of what they were aiming... Yeah, because your mum didn't let you eat junk food or watch good (laughs) TV. So the show Dinosaurs have these, like, kind of massive dinosaur puppets with, like, sort of humanist humanish faces <laughs> and so that was the technology they had gone with Theodore Rex kind of looked like the dad from dinosaurs yeah and um it's the kind of thing like that you would get a photo with like at movie world or something like someone walks around in this humanish mm. t- t-rex costume wait I think I know what you're talking about but not the mama not yeah, the mama yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. got it that show that yeah, show yeah. that show mm. Um, And so, I mean, look, that was fine that that was their dinosaur, but in the time that they had been developing this movie, Jurassic Park had actually come (laughs) out and Steven Spielberg had used this incredible new thing called CGI and they were like, fuck. Like, their T-Rex, like, in Jurassic Park, the T-Rex is three stories high and he literally eats a dude on the toilet in one go. (laughs) And their T-Rex is a robot puppet with a backwards cap. (laughs) But, dodgy tech or not, 
The producers didn't want to lose everything they'd invested, so they decided to sue Whoopi Goldberg. They either wanted a whole bunch of money from her or they just wanted her to star in the movie because they were convinced if we can get this made, it is going to be a huge hit. (laughs) So they sued her for more than $30 million, saying, like, that's the money they've sunk in and also the profits they expect to make and they will lose if she doesn't make the movie. And now Whoopi thought she'd be fine because she never actually signed... A contract. It was all just taking meetings and verbal agreements. It's very Hollywood. It's very much just in the meeting. I love it. I love it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Sign me up. Yes, yes, darling, yes. But nothing was written down. But two things came back to bite her. One was that Kim Basinger had recently pulled out of a a film she'd agreed to make and while she was taking a meeting. And Kim Basinger was successfully sued for pulling out of that movie. Yes. And she had to pay $7.4 million for not being in that movie. So there was now a precedent for the Theodore Rex team to point to. The other thing was that one of the producers had inadvertently recorded a phone call on his answering machine, which, like, anyone who, mm. anyone who watches Euphoria won't know what an answering machine is. Yeah. It's like um, someone would call your house... And there'd be like a machine with a little tape cassette in it and that would record what someone was saying into the phone and then you would press play on the tape and hear it through a speaker. Mm. So he says that Whoopi started leaving a message and he heard and he ran over and picked up. He was like, I'm home, I'm home. And then the answering machine keeps recording if you pick up halfway through the message. So he recorded this whole conversation in which Whoopi was saying, I love it, darling, I love it, I'll do it. Which really she was probably just like, yeah, totally, I'll do it, like just to get him to stop calling or something, you know what I mean? But when faced with with that, a judge basically said to Whoopi, if you bring this to trial, you will lose. Like you will have to pay them $30 million, so you've got to figure something out. So Whoopi's people and the Theodore Rex people sat down to kind of figure out what they could do And the Rex team was like, you know, sorry we sued you, but we do really still want you to be in the movie. We think it's going to be huge. (laughs) And so Whoopi's team was like, for fuck's sake, give us two more million dollars and she'll do it. So Whoopi takes seven million Mm dollars so she doesn't have to pay 30 and agrees to star in a buddy cop movie with a dinosaur (laughs) puppet who wears Converse sneakers on each of his toes. (laughs) That's six in total. (sighs) She is playing a police officer forced to partner up with a dinosaur against her will while Whoopi Goldberg in real life is actually being forced to partner up with a dinosaur against... Her will. And Whoopi makes it clear from the second she's on set that she is pissed off. A producer said at the start of filming he walked past her in a hallway and she didn't even look at him and he just heard her under her breath go, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I don't blame her. This movie was quite clearly a disaster. Like, imagine being forced not only to work on a movie you don't want to work on, but Mm. knowing it's going to be the worst movie of all time. 
Starting with the half robot, half puppet T-Rex, which would only work properly like one day of the week. It kept breaking down and she kept throwing tantrums. It was a huge disaster. Not to mention the fact the filmmakers hadn't considered the fact that they'd given Theodore Rex a five-foot-long tail and so they kept having to cut holes in the set so he could turn (laughs) to face people and, like... He had sort of had the guy in the costume had to like turn like every conversation. Whoopi would be like, "Hey Theodore," and he'd be like, "Yeah." Like it kind of looked like you remember um, the old school Power Rangers show where all yeah, the set yeah. it looks exactly like that where all the sets are really dodgy. Like older people will remember like Monkey Magic. Yeah, it kind of looks a lot like that. So Whoopi's face, you can what like. You can get the film on DVD, like it's nowhere online, but you can watch clips on YouTube. Her face throughout this entire movie is just like, legally I have to be here, but I am not legally obligated to look impressed about it. Like, there are scenes in Theodore Rex where she literally just sighs. Like, like like, there's this whole joke in the movie that he's obsessed with cookies and he sees some cookies and he's like, ah, cookies, cookies, cookies. And Whoopi just goes... (laughs) literally in most scenes that is what she is doing there's this other scene where he just comes barreling towards her on a Segway and she (laughs) (laughs) I did it (laughs) there'll be one every time who don't listen to the show just feel like we're talking in another language. (laughs) Okay, pull it together. (laughs) Every fucking time. Every time. I get him every time. I get him every time. So she's putting in the bare minimum, which, to be honest, kind of makes the movie even more amazing. Like, her actual... (laughs) JK, come on now. Do I need to send you to the back proceed, of the class? Proceed, okay. proceed, proceed. Her actual visible disdain for being on screen is so palpable. Like, she's not being subtle about it at all. So the film, not surprisingly, has nobody interested in distributing it anywhere. So it never gets into theatres. It goes straight to VHS. And it was the only film at that time that hadn't been released in a theatre to ever be nominated for the Razzie for Worst Picture. Uh-huh. So there's a feather in their what cap. What an honour. But as often as these things go, Theodore Rex is kind of considered by a lot of people now to be a bit of a cult classic because kids at the time, so people about our age, mm-hmm. really loved it. I don't remember it, though. So I don't remember ever seeing it. It was Mm-mm. barely, what, four or five of you who cheered at the start like yeah I don't think many people have seen it um it's um since then Whoopi's kind of said look I I didn't want to do it it made no sense at the time it was terrible a terrible but a lot of people do come up to me and say how much they love Theodore (laughs) and it's a bit of a rare gem now like I said it's not on any of the streaming services you can't find it anywhere online in full you can find the trailer and there's some like worst bits of Theodore Rex Rex like Mm. montages on YouTube. I did though look it up today. You can get a DVD copy of it on Amazon for eleven dollars twenty. So get on that. And buy a DVD player. Yeah. Where? (laughs) (laughs) But even though it is considered by some to be a cult classic, it's 
it's objectively bad. Like, it's not so bad it's good. It really is just very, very bad. <laughs> the guy who played um, Theodore, there was one guy who did the voice and another guy who acted opposite Whoopi sort of doing all the uh, movement and face kind of stuff. Mm. He was interviewed a few years ago by the How Did This Get Made podcast people. Oh. And um, he said everybody making it knew how bad it was except the producers who were convinced to the last day that it was going to be really? a massive, like child hit that was going to launch a franchise and he said in this interview it was just a cop buddy movie right everybody understood the genre but in this case you had to ask why why are they talking why are they dressed as humans why doesn't he eat meat why does he want to live in an apartment i mean so many whys why does he wear jewelry why is he driving in a car and why is he with Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> nobody could figure any of that out, and nobody has since. I and love that Hollywood. is just the gist <laughs> of the movie Whoopi Goldberg was forced to star in against her will, Theodore Rex. Oh, that was sensational. <laughs> Very well done. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am absolutely exhausted now. <laughs> <laughs> laughing, my face hurts. Oh. I can't believe more people haven't heard of it. Yeah, I am dying to see it now. And the only reason she even made those comments is that her co-hosts on The View were teasing her about it and so she had no choice but to bring it up. Okay. Otherwise, she does not ever talk about it or it mention it. It did not it. happen. Yeah, it did not happen. Just blanks on it. I mean, she got a seven mil. Yeah, that's right. And she's made some people very happy. Yeah. So, so good for her. And she saved but, 32 mil. Yeah, go go have a watch of the uh, trailer. Theodore You'll X. Love it. Okay. Theodore, Theodore Rex. Well done. Thank very, you. very well done. Loved that. And now I guess I'll take it from here. Yes, please. I've got a cute little story for you. And some of you might be aware that this week marks the first anniversary of the time an 800-kilogram walrus randomly popped up in the United Kingdom and then kicked off a seven-month Kentucky tour all around Europe. <laughs> I am serving you all the saga, the epic of Wally the Walrus. You may have seen some headlines about him last year. I haven't. No? Not enough people have, and this is the service I provide through this podcast. So this all kicked off in Ireland in March of 2021, and some locals there on the West Coast started calling up the authorities and calling the media, saying, well, oil be forked if I haven't just seen a walrus down in the water. <laughs> and the media outlets and the authorities were sort of like, sure you did, Paddy. Mm. But maybe enough Guinness for today, yeah. eh? Because mm -hmm. it seemed impossible that there would be a walrus this far south. Walruses live exclusively in the Arctic Circle, so to get to Ireland, oh. this creature would have had to swim hundreds of thousands of kilometres. That's an exaggeration. Thousands of kilometres. Is Ireland south? Ireland we is... were south. In the Northern Hemisphere, in terms of being far away from the Arctic Circle, thousands of kilometres. My uncle Long in the distance. audience is thinking that private school education was worth it, wasn't it? <laughs> okay, so we're, we're south. Well, Ireland's south of the Arctic Circle. Correct. Sure, good. Yes. Isn't everything, though? No, Correct. See, that, is that is true. That is true. And now we're all learning that walruses usually don't go that far south. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So the reports were mostly ignored until someone managed to get some photographic evidence and send it into the BBC. (gasps) Pics of this two-metre-long walrus with a rather distinctive scar on one of its flippers just chilling out on a rocky Irish beach. And so then people had to go, okay, it's real. And it started to get a little bit of attention. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people also kind of went, well, could be Photoshop and just moved on with their date. Didn't get a lot of interest. But then a week later, this walrus with its distinctive scar on its flipper started making surprise appearances over on the coast of Wales, which is further south than Ireland. And a bunch of people saw it and got a whole lot of photos and started sending it through to the media and the media started covering the sightings because this was like a fun novelty news story at a time when people needed it. It was pretty grim. When was this? This time last year, Delta was just tearing through Europe, right? Rough times. Yeah. Mm. So it was refreshing for everyone to get updates on where the walrus was now and what he was getting up to. And to listen to experts debate, how did this walrus even get here? Like, did he maybe escape from a zoo? Is this a free willy situation? Oh, maybe. But no zoos were coming forward saying, oh, yeah, We've we did. We, we misplaced our 800 <laughs> yeah. kilogram walrus. <laughs> Silly ass. So then they sort of had to assume, all right, the walrus has come here of its own volition. We have to assume it's wild. Is it maybe here, like, trying to find a new food supply? Is it just a curious Mm -hmm. little fella? The best theory, though, that most people clung on to was that the walrus had fallen asleep on a floating piece of ice. That's what I was going to say. That then just floated and floated and floated. They can sleep for more than 20 hours at a time. uh And so he probably just woke up in the UK and was like, well, I'm here now. Might as well have a little bit of a look about. And so he started exploring around Wales and every day hundreds of people were spending their entire day from dawn till dusk just scanning the coast trying to find this walrus and see where he'd turn up. They started calling him Wally because it was like a game exactly like playing Where's Where's Wally? Wally? Perfect name for him. So that's when they started calling him Wally. And I'm saying him, but at this point they still had no idea of Wally's gender. Isn't that just our sexist? society. Mm-hmm. Gender dynamics. We, we defaulted to male. But I will say at the time, a lot of news outlets refused to call Wally he and used she or XE and they. Like oh. people refused to just go with yeah, male don't pronouns. Don't assign Wally a gender identity. That's right. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't, don't be know. making assumptions. Now, wildlife experts were pretty certain Wally would leave fairly soon. Summer was just around the corner. It was bound to get far too warm for for an animal that's got this thick layer Mm. of blubber. Um, (laughs) You're really having a good time playing along, aren't you? Love the enthusiasm, not going to lie. Throws me off a little bit. And the heckles are so specific. Decipher who you are by what words you. It's kind of been like blubber. I hate whoopee. I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting mosaic yeah. over here. Anyway. <laughs> They thought Wally was going to go home, but no, Wally decided to make the most of his visit to the UK. He wanted to go and see some sights. And one day he ventured into a small port in this quaint little seaside village called Tenby. It's a little touristy spot, very picturesque, super grammable. And Wally just felt comfortable there and something spoke to him about the place and he decided, I'm moving in. I'm going to stay here for a little while. This will be my base. And he made himself right at home. He'd spend a few hours a day feeding, but then the rest of the time he'd be sleeping. And it was his sleeping arrangement. Yeah. (laughs) It's an ideal lifestyle. 
It was his sleeping arrangements that made him a total fucking menace to the people of oh, really? Tenby. Why, where? Yes. So obviously he'd never been around boats before mm. in his life. And when he encountered them, he was curious as to how comfy they might be for nap-nap times. <laughs> and so he started testing the boats out like this giant Goldilocks. <laughs> and his method for boarding the boats was to pull the side of the boat down as oh, far no! as he could. Which meant about 50% of the boats he tried to board, he ended up sinking completely. They went down to the bottom of Tenby Bay. Walls. And everyone, if it was your boat, there was nothing you could do about it. It was just like, well, it's gone now. And then when finally he ended up getting bored of sinking boats, because that took a lot of effort, he decided, you know what, I'm just going to go and start spending time on the shoreline. Mm. And he went and found himself a nice spot, immediately decided, yep, this is my favourite, it's perfectly sunny. It just happened to be the boat ramp for the local Coast Guard rescue team. Uh The only ramp in the entire town that was critically important to be able to save people's lives. And there were plenty of other ramps, some very close by, identical in design, but nope, he only wanted to be on the Coast Guard's ramp. Mm. So anytime they wanted to go and do some sort of training exercise with their boats or if there was an actual emergency and they needed to save a life, they'd have to try to figure out a way to get Wally off this ramp, which wasn't that easy, surprisingly enough. The... Anytime they'd find a method that would work, it would only work like one or two times and then Wally would become immune to it and it would never work again. The first method they tried was a broom. They literally (laughs) just walked up to him and started trying to sweep him off the ramp, which, to their credit, worked the first time. Well, sure. He sort of woke up and was a bit shocked at what was going on and just rolled off the ramp into the water for a few minutes and then sort of went, what, what, and got right back up on the ramp. (laughs) Next time they tried the broom, he sort of woke up, looked at the Coast Guard guy and went, not today, not this time. Not twice, no, no. Then they moved on to trying loud noises. Yeah. So there are photos and videos of all this, by the way. A Coast Guard walking up to the walrus with an air horn and Aww. blasting it at How him. Very dear. I know. Again, it worked the first time, not the second or third, though. <laughs> he wised up pretty quickly. The most reliable method ended up being squirting him with a hose, which was surprising to me. Um, but even that was still kind of hit and miss. So yeah. the Coast Guard sort of realised, OK, we've got no choice but to accept that this is Wally's ramp now yeah. and we'll just have to try to work around his schedule as best we can or use some alternative Drowning ramps. children be damned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The walrus can't be disturbed. Mm. Um, so these antics <laughs> made Wally even more popular around the world, so lots more media coverage and thousands of people started planning trips to go and see Wally in the flesh. And the wildlife protection people could see exactly what was going to happen. Some dickheads were going to try to get close to him to snap a selfie. Yes, uh-oh. So they started issuing serious, serious warnings to people saying, don't go near the walrus, don't disturb the walrus in any way, don't try to feed the walrus. If you do, you will get a very, very hefty fine. And that was not just for Wally's protection, it was for the human's protection as well. I was going to say, you'll get a hefty fine and, like, the loss of a limb. Very potentially. Yeah. Um, Walruses are mostly chill, but they have been observed in the wild killing polar bears with their tusks... In self-defence, I should say, and they mostly eat shellfish, but every now and then they get peckish for a seal, so they'll just go hunt down a 200-kilogram seal for lunch. So they can be dangerous from time to time, so best to steer clear, unless you're a Coast Guard member with a broom. (laughs) 
99% of people were respectful and very sensible, but of course 1% of people are absolute fuckwits and most days there would be some fool who'd try to swim out or paddle out or jet ski out to try to get a photo with Wally. There was one mother who got fined because she took her kids out in a boat and encouraged them to jump out of the water and swim up near him to get a photo. The worst of all the people, though, I have to say, are the ones who were using fucking drones to get right oh, up near Wally's head and take photos. So, thankfully, this volunteer network quickly formed of people who said, I'll help watch Wally 24 hours Good. a day and make sure yes. he's safe. And this network of people from the community would scare off any fuckwits that would come along and report them to the police. And they literally dedicated their lives to making sure Wally was safe. Because, yes, he was a vandal. Yes, he was a complete liability. But he was just so adorable. What a power move as well that a few weeks ago they were trying to scare you off and now they're trying to scare people off to stay away from That's you. Right. Mm-hmm. What a diva. Uh-huh. I love Wally. And talk about diva, Wally put on a show whenever he could be bothered waking up. Really? Yeah. So sometimes when he'd go out to feed, every now and then he'd surface and no one knows why he was doing this apart from the theatrics. He'd have little seashells or um, uh, starfish on his nose oh, that he'd be balancing. Yeah. Oh. And then, like, often when he'd be on land, he'd roll over and wave his flippers at people like he was waving to the crowds. Like, he clearly loved being around people. They're a very social animal, so it Mm. makes sense. I wouldn't understand. Do you think maybe he dropped out of drama school? (laughs) He did have those natural-born performer vibes, yes. Tenby couldn't get enough of Wally. Wally couldn't get enough of Tenby. And another reason that they really loved him is because he was bringing in so many tourist dollars that they'd been missing ever since COVID had started. So it was a massive boon to the economy that all these people were flocking to Tenby from around the UK, pretty much restored the economy, and they started making merchandise. (gasps) Merch. Yes. So they were making Wally dolls, Wally teacups, Wally cushions. Yes. Um, They even made a special limited edition beer, (gasps) and all of it was just flying off the shelves. So... They would have kept him there in Tenby very happily for the rest of his life, but they knew it just wasn't meant to be. So they were sad but not surprised when, after six weeks, Wally disappeared in the middle of the night. And they assumed, okay, he's gone back north. It's late May at this point. He must be getting very uncomfortably warm. He's got to be headed back to his homeland, right? Right. Surely, yes. But then a few days later... On a quiet morning in Cornwall, England, 150 kilometres even further south than Tenby, there was a small boat tour out on the water and the tour guide pointed out a very large seal just off the starboard side to all the passengers. And just as all the passengers were looking, Wally pulled his head up out of the water like, cuckoo ca bitches, I am the walrus. And everyone was like, ah! So most of the Wally watchers and the rest of the world were pretty thrilled. But if you owned a boat in Cornwall, you were like, oh, shit. And that was the correct response because as soon as he got there, he wanted to find a bed to rest in. And yeah, got straight back into his favourite pastime, (laughs) sinking those boats and causing that havoc. And again, the authorities had to tell everyone, leave him alone. If he tries to board your boat, guess what? (laughs) That's Wally's boat now. And you're just going to have to find a way to be okay with it. 
Anyway, he hung around there in Cornwall for a couple of weeks and then he disappeared again. It's almost June by this time, so it seemed obvious. Surely he's head back to the Arctic now. Yeah. It has to be the case, right? No, it's almost south. summer. Florida. Sacre bleu on the coast of France. Oh. While he popped on up a couple of days later. I wanted it to be like the Gold Coast. <laughs> Show up in surfers. <laughs> Guess what I'm barring bays. Yes. <laughs> Didn't make it quite that far south. But yes, here he was. The holiday was nowhere near over yeah. as far as Wally was concerned. He had lots more to see and do. Uh. He kept moving around while he was in France, kept things pretty casual, didn't settle down, just kept exploring different bays and different ports, flipping a boat here, <laughs> claiming a ramp for himself there. And so it was this daily surprise where Wally was going to pop up. And yeah. many a French boaty or fisherman would go to their boat first thing in the morning and find Wally just sprawled on the deck if he hadn't sunk the boat, obviously. Yeah. Sometimes he'd wake up and give him a little bonjour and then go right back to sleep. Yeah. But a lot of the time he just slept right through it. And there were two big news stories about Wally that came out. The yeah. first was he had a bad injury on his back. Oh. He'd obviously had a run-in with a boat propeller. Oh. But he seemed to be fine it seemed to be healing, so yeah. that wasn't too concerning. The other big news story was they could now confirm Wally was a boy. And what a boy. <laughs> he had always been very discreet while he was in the UK, but then when he got over to France, he lost all his inhibitions... Through modesty to the wind and very proudly showed the cameras what he was packing and it was quite the package. <laughs> and there are images available and I have seen them. Um, so, quick little digression on walrus penises, should we? Yes, please. So, did you know walrus penises have a bone in them? I did An not know that, bone. Jacob. Yes. It's called a baculum. and they don't. Boys, male humans do not. No, no. But men can break their penis. They can, yeah, but it's a matter of the blood vessels. Not a not bone. Not a bone. Not a Why bone. It's called a boner. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've got some facts to share okay. with you. Yeah. Let's chat after. <laughs> so... A lot of mammals have this bone, this baculum in right. their penises. A lot of apes even have a baculum. Oh. Cats have them. Boo has one. Oh. Yeah, Boo has a bone in his boner. Yes. Oh. But humans do not, and I think you would like to know why. Yes, yes. I would. I so, really would. The animals that have a baculum, on average, have sex for more than three minutes at a time. <laughs> Humans, on average, not casting aspersions on anyone in this room, on average, it's less than two minutes, so there is no need for the bone. Now, you can all take that home with you and bring that up at as many dinner parties as you would like. What's it called? The baculum. The baculum, yes. And the walrus has the largest baculum of any animal oh, on the planet. Wally. And just the bone itself can grow to 63 centimetres long. Woof! Uh-huh. Yeah, so Wally was hung. Wow. Everyone felt comfortable using the he, him pronouns yeah. now. Okay. Yes. 
Anyway, Wally vanished from France Whoa, after spending okay. about two weeks exploring that. You, yeah. you, you're with us? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> when he disappeared from France, of course, once again, when he was missing, that's when the boat owners were really nervous on high yeah. alert. It was like the Jaws theme was playing in their head. Like, duh, duh, duh. Where's he going to show up? There were no sightings anywhere in France. So once again, people thought he must have gone north. But then, Dios mío. He turns up in Spain. Spain! And he spent about a week there just hanging out on different fishing boats. Anytime he'd encounter a fisherman, once again, it'd be like, hola, and back to sleeping. <laughs> and he went around from bay to bay sampling the seafood and sinking the boats yeah. and just enjoying this holiday and enjoying being a menace. He really is a Contiki tour. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he packed so much in. The Spanish authorities once again said, look, if he wants your boat, there is literally nothing you can do Mm. but pray he doesn't sink it because Mm. you must not interfere with this walrus. And then after about a week of amusing slash terrorising the people of Spain, he vanished again for a few days. Boat owners went, "Uh uh-oh. And the the debate raged on. Did he go north or, based on his current trajectory, is he going to pop up in Portugal? (gasps) And I was totally team Portugal, i got to tell you. But, no, turned out he hadn't had enough of England yet. Back. Yes, so he went back across the channel Saint to England. Lizzie. Yes. Felt like he needed to soak up a bit more of that English culture. Yeah. Yeah. And he turned up in this spot called the Isles of Skilly and found himself a cute little port and got settled right in again, got straight back to his criminal antics. Yeah. Most of the locals really wanted to get rid of him and they did something a little bit cheeky that they weren't meant to do. Yeah. One time when he'd fallen asleep in a boat that he hadn't sunk, obviously, yeah. they dragged that boat out to sea to the furthest buoy out to sea and left him there, hoping that when he woke up he'd get the hint He did the opposite. As soon as he woke up, he went straight back to his favourite port, which was very frustrating to all the boat owners there who were mostly wealthy people from the mainland who just had their holiday homes on the Isles Mm -hmm. of Skilly and their fancy yachts there, and they were having a tanty saying, it is not fair, we've spent good money on these boats and we should be able to enjoy them. He's ruining our summer and putting our properties at risk. Why will no one come up with a solution? When will someone think of the yacht owners? <laughs> you sound so it sounds so much like Caleb. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye, petunias. Yes. Petunias on the boats. It, yes, this community had very strong Caleb vibes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so the community came together to brainstorm Uh what they could potentially do. And there was some dickhead in the audience who said that he thought it was a good idea to exterminate the walrus. His name is not on record, luckily for him. There was another person who said, hang on, calm down, calm down. What if we just step it down a notch? What if we tranquilise Wally and then transport him back to the Arctic Circle? Someone who was smart in the room said, if you shoot him with a tranquilizer dart, he'll jump in the water because he's startled, swim away, the anaesthetic will kick in and he'll drown. So thanks for contributing, Mm. but that's enough from you. Psychopath. (laughs) Then they started workshopping the idea of scaring Wally off. Now, 
Walruses only have two natural predators, killer whales and polar bears. So the concept was blast recordings of killer whale noises under the water and polar bear roars up on the surface. Oh, okay, yeah. And then just for good measure, cover everything in the bay in polar bear piss. Yeah. Because that was sure <laughs> to scare him off. And then finally the smartest person in the room stood up and said, before we start pouring piss all over our yeah. boats... Why don't we think if there's a way that we could maybe coexist yeah. with Wally? What if we created his own dedicated space for him? Something super comfy and plush that's going to be easy for him to get on without sinking it. Yeah. And then he can be around us, but he won't have to disturb mm-hmm. any of our property. Enough people thought it was worth a shot that they went ahead and built this special Wally-sized pontoon. They covered the thing in stuff that Wally'd slept on or pissed on or chewed on over the previous yeah. week or so. So it had his scent on it mm-hmm. and that's what attracted him to it. And it worked. Wally was totally chuffed with this new special floating couch they'd made for him and he didn't deface or vandalise a single other boat from that point onwards. <laughs> and because he was so comfortable, it seemed like Wally was going to be there long term. Mm. Like summer was just about over. The water was cooling down to a temperature he'd probably quite like. So it seemed like maybe he was a permanent resident mm. there. But then after six weeks, he did once again just ghost them, disappear yeah. in the middle of the night. And once again, the boat owners around the UK and Ireland were like, oh, my boat, and they tried to wally-proof it as best they could. But some of the managers of the ports, who were really smart, preemptively made a wally pontoon, just like the one in Skilly. So if he did show up, they would be ready for him. And Mm -hmm. that served this one particular port in Ireland very well because they were just putting the finishing touches on their wally pontoon when wally showed up. And they could just roll it out into the water and go, here you are, sir. Yeah. Make yourself at home. So Wally hung out there in Ireland, but only for a couple of days because he was on a mission now. Mm. He'd finished his holiday and it was time for him to go home. He disappeared from Ireland, wasn't seen for a few weeks. Everyone was hoping for the best, but had come to terms with the fact that they may never see Wally again. But then some fishermen in Iceland spotted this (laughs) big walrus with this distinctive scar on its flipper. Mm. And it was Wally and he was obviously on his way back home. He Mm. hung around there to replenish and rest for a couple of days. And then we assume off he went to the Arctic Circle. And this was October of last year. And no one's seen him since, but we just have to assume he made it back with his family. He'll be back. I hope so. And wherever he is, he will continue growing. He's only about half his size so far. Does the back kill him also grow? (laughs) That grows more too. He hasn't even reached sexual maturity yet. Wally. Wally. He's going to be a big boy. Um, They're estimating he'll be about 2,000 kilograms. He's currently 800 kilograms, yep. Um, His tusks will be about a metre long. Like, he is going to be impressive. So the little boats he almost sunk before, he will decimate when he comes back. They will be splinters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and he won't have kids for about another 12 years, but I'd love it if he brought the family back. And so that, my friends, dear gistners, dear glistners, is just the gist of Wally the Walrus. And that is just the gist of our show. That's it, Sydney. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank Thank you.
listener.